2022 ACB Virtual DC Leadership Meetings will be held Saturday, March 12th through Tuesday, March 15th. Registration is $20 for ACB members and $30 for non-members. ACB members were sent a discount code via email. If you are an ACB member and did not receive the discount code, please call the Minneapolis office at 612-332-3242. Registration closes March 9. Visit acb.org for more information or register at https slash slash tinyurl.com slash 2022-DC-Leadership-Meetings. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. This is Becky Dunkerson, treasurer of ACB Diabetics in Action. And first of all, I would like to welcome everyone that is here on the Zoom call. Um, And I'd also like to uh, say a special welcome to those of you that are listening on ACB Media. We are glad to have all of you with us. Um, Before I get started, first of all, I would like to let you know how you can get a hold of us um, should you want to join or if you have any questions. Um, Our email address is acbda, which is the initials for ACB Diabetics in Action, org at gmail.com, acbdaorg at gmail.com. And I'll give that to you um, again toward the end of our uh, call tonight. Um, Tonight, we are Cooking Without Looking with Mickey Compton. Uh, Mickey is a residential instructor at the Texas School for the Blind, and she will be sharing some tips with us. Thanks for joining us, Mickey. Thank you for having me. Um, Hi. Just to give you a little background information, I've worked um, for my state's blind school for about 21 years. I normally work with high school girls, um, teaching them independent living school skills, um, helping them with rec leisure skills, those kinds of things. So I'm very comfortable with teaching cooking skills and um, helping them to become more independent at home. Um, I myself I am totally blind um, due to glaucoma I also have uveitis which is a fancy word for we don't know what you have but it's some kind of inflammation Um, I'm married I have two children a daughter and a son and a young fur baby so um I'm also diabetic, and so I'm used to the issues facing diabetics today because I deal with that in my own life. To start off with learning how to cook, we always teach our students the first thing is to wash your hands. It seems silly that we have to say that, but it's just something that we have to remind people because they will touch their face, touch their hair, touch their phone. And then again, we say, go wash your hands because these things carry a lot of germs and you don't want that in your cooking. If you are cooking and you have sleeves that hang down or jewelry that hangs down, then you want to make sure that those things are removed or tied back in some way. You also should tie back any long hair so that you don't end up with food in your hair. So the next thing that we teach is what's called, in the French term, mise en place. Mise in place, however you want to um, describe it, it just means that you're going to get prepared with what you need before you get started for your recipe. So you read your recipe through and look at how each ingredient is listed. If you have something that says 
cooked, then you want to make sure that it is cooked before you start your recipe. If it is something that says chopped, diced, sliced, any of those things, you want to do that before you start your recipe. I like to use a series of containers, and you can choose which containers are comfortable to you to find all your ingredients, measure them out, have them in a sequence of how you're going to use them. And look at your recipe and see what kind of equipment would you need for this recipe? Does it require a mixing bowl? Does it require a large pot, a saucepan? Try to think about all the equipment that you would need because you don't want to start using a recipe and then find out, oh, I'm out of milk or I'm out of that special ingredient that goes in this recipe. That is very frustrating. Another reason that we have mice in place is because it reduces stress in the kitchen. If you are a beginner cook or you are not comfortable cooking, this will reduce the stress in your kitchen. So say you're making a stir fry. Stir fries are time sensitive. So you don't want to have your meat cooking and you need to add in that vegetable. And then you say, hmm, I need to go to my refrigerator, find that vegetable, then go to where I keep my cutting boards, go find that cutting board and then chop it up. Because by that time, your meat could have burned. So if you have your ingredients already measured in a sequence, then you can easily, as the recipe dictates, add these ingredients to your recipe. There's no running around. There's no stress. So you can concentrate on making sure that you are being safe in the kitchen. Another good thing is to make sure that you are not mixing raw ingredients with anything that is uncooked. So if you use that cutting board to cut raw meat, that cutting board cannot be used for anything else until it is sanitized. Sometimes some people will choose to have a meat cutting board and a raw cutting board. That is a choice for some. However you choose to do it, you want to make sure that you are not mixing raw with cooked. So if you have a plate of raw meat, raw seafood, when you're done cooking it, you're going to put it on a fresh plate. Another good tip is when cutting fruits, vegetables, meats, whatever, is if you have some vision to choose a cutting board that is high contrast. So you might have cutting boards of different colors. So if you have a red tomato on a white cutting board, that is best. Or if you have a light onion on a dark cutting board, then you with low vision are able to better see your vegetables or whatever you are cutting. So some places that sell adaptive cooking aids have these double cutting boards where it's black on one side, white on the other. That is if you choose to buy that one. You could just choose to buy different colors at your local store or wherever you shop for cutting boards. The other thing that is great when cutting is always be aware of where your knife is. If you are walking through the kitchen with a knife, don't hold it out in front of you. Hold it facing down at your side. So in case somebody comes in front of you, 
or you end up tripping over something, you are not going to fall on that knife. When you are done using that knife, try storing it behind the faucet until you are ready to wash it. Because those who are washing the dishes aren't going to see that knife among all those dishes and they can cut themselves. So that is also very helpful. I always recommend that once you are done cooking, wash your knives, dry them, and put them away. Another thing that is helpful is when you are measuring ingredients, you can take a simple four set of measuring cups, turn that, put all the cups into a nest, meaning one on top of the other as they fit accordingly. And if you were to put that flat on your counter, the top one, one, is one cup. The next one down, two, is a half cup. The next one down, three, is a third cup. And finally, you have your fourth one, fourth cup. Those numbers at the bottom of the fraction tell you how many of those it takes to equal one cup. So if you have your half cup, which is one over two, two of those cups make one cup. If you have your fourth cup, one over four means it takes four cups to make one cup. This is helpful. So if you tend to misplace some of your cups and you know, I need a cup of this or I need a half cup of that, you can use another cup in place of the one you are missing. When we organize our spice cabinets, our pantries, our refrigerators, we like to use braille labels. Now you can use those by making a label, punching a hole, and tying a little rubber band through it. And so you could reuse that label the next time you buy that item. You can also choose to use file labels and put large print on those items so that you could read them easily. Another helpful hint is when storing items, try storing like items together. So if you have a set of spices that are for baking, try keeping those spices together. So when you are baking, you don't have to read through your entire spice cabinet to find your baking spices. You can just simply go to where you know you store those baking spices. Same within your pantry. You're storing your like items together. So your vegetables, all your green beans are with the green beans. All the corn is with the corn. Another way of labeling is to make a braille label and buy what is called um, magnetic tape. You could put the braille label on the magnetic tape and then when you are done, and with that can, you can store that magnetic tape for the next time you have that item. And those, that magnetic tape can also be bought at many of the blind product stores. Um, let me think. When trying to identify items that you are wanting to cook, there are many ways you can Use apps like Be My Eyes, which a live person can come on and identify that item. I myself have used that when labeling items. And they will tell me, okay, this is this item and that is that. And so I can label them and store them as I would like. Another item that is helpful, I mean, app that is helpful is ARIA and they have 
service plans that you can buy to identify your items. Another app that we use a lot is called Seeing AI. Seeing AI has a quick read where you can read something quickly. You have a longer document section. You have a product section. When you choose that product se section, some items are in their database. So you can swipe with your phone when on that product item and you can find what that item is and then you can click on more information and it will give you nutrition facts and it can also give you product directions. That is very helpful. Another way that you can help when you are looking for directions to a product is if you know what that product is, like hamburger helper cheeseburger, then you can go into that product, search the web for the website directionsforme.org. On this website, you can find product directions, nutrition facts, you can find um, synopsis of movie DVDs. So it is very helpful. And I believe it was created by Horizons for the Blind. So you have many, many options when trying to organize your kitchen, identify product directions, and the like. Another thing for us diabetics is when we choose a product, say a snack item, some companies can be very tricky. So you will get a product like a bag of chips and you're trying to keep within your carbon take and you say, oh, well, this has so many carbs. I can eat this. Well. One of the things to be aware of is what is the serving size? Because even though that package is in a small bag, doesn't mean that it's one serving. Sometimes in order to make a product seem like it is healthier than it is, they will give the calorie count, the carb count, the fibers. But if you were to check out the servings per package, you might find that it has more than one serving per package. So always remember to check out these serving sizes when trying to choose a product or a snack for yourself. Another trick that companies use is the fat-free products. Fat-free means that they've removed the fat, but what have they added in to give that product flavor? Sometimes they've added in sugars. Sometimes they've added in salts. So depending on what your diet is, you want to be aware of these fat-free products. Tell yourself, oh, I'm eating this because I want lower fat content. But let me see what the other items are also saying. Okay. Back to cooking. When we are setting up our kitchen, we try to set up our kitchen into quadrants. So we try to put things, drinks and stuff near where you would get drinks. So if you have a fridge with an ice maker or a sink, a lot of times that is where people are going to serve themselves their drink. So we try to put the glasses near where the drinks are going to be. We try to put the spices near where you're going to use them for cooking. So organizing your kitchen so that the flow is easy, so that when you're cooking, 
you're not having to go across the kitchen to grab something, but you're thinking of putting your items in places where it would be most used, that limits you crossing the kitchen a bunch of times. Another thing when cooking is when you are opening the oven or you're cooking on the stove, you want to let people know, hey, I'm opening the stove or I'm heating up a cup of hot water for my tea. So you're going to cross to the table to sit down and have your cup of tea. We always say, hey, hot cup coming through. Unless you live alone, it's always a good idea because sometimes we're busy in our lives. We're on the phone. We're thinking about other things. And if we hear that warning, hey, hot cup coming through, we're going to know, hey, something that could be hurtful is coming through. So I might want to let them know where I am or move out of the way. When you are using your stove, one of the things that we teach is to be aware of which burner is on. So if you know where your stove is, you're going to lift your hand about 10 inches above the stove. And you're going to kind of run your hand over that stove. So it's 10 to 12 inches above and you're holding your hand. And what you're feeling for is any heat source. Because you don't know who else has been there and if they have turned on a burner. And so you want to make sure you know which burners are on. When you are placing your pot on the stove, a good idea is to make sure that handles are turned either to the left or to the right so that you are aware of where that handle is and somebody's not going to accidentally walk by and knock that pot off of the stove which can also be a safety hazard so put your handles to the left or to the right depending on which hand you are using once your pot is placed and the pot is still cold i teach my students to put their hand on the top of the pot and push down a little bit. You will feel if that pot is wiggling so you know oh, it's not centered because it's not feeling stable. You'll feel it wiggle to the left or to the right, back or front. If that pot is hot and you want to check to see that that pot is centered, a good way to tell is again you can put your hand over that pot and you can feel. Am I feeling an even amount of heat around that pot? Or do I feel more heat to the right than I do the left? If you are feeling more heat on one side than the other, then that is an indication that your pot may not be centered. If you are still worried about whether or not your pot is centered, use a cooking utensil, not a plastic one, but a metal one. And you can run that utensil around the pot and make sure that it is centered. So that helps with centering your pot. Um, Another thing that we do is labeling our stove. We use bump dots. You can also use what's called high mark puffy paint to indicate the temperatures on your stove. So you can find where is low, medium, and high. So that also helps when setting your oven. You want to make sure that you know where that button is above the stove in case you need to turn on an air vent or you need to turn on the light. 
So that air vent is there in case there is smoke. And oh, just because you see smoke doesn't mean that there's fire. Sometimes a little bit of a food item or a spice might be caught on the burner or your bottom of your pen may be wet. And so think about when you feel like something doesn't seem right. Think, could it be something like a, a piece of food or a spice? In which case, you can try using that metal utensil to kind of move it out of the way. Sometimes you can just let it burn off, like in the case of if the bottom of your pan is wet and you'll just hear that sizzle. So don't panic. I tell my students, the first rule of thumb in the kitchen is don't panic. So you want to think about what is going on. You wanna concentrate. So it's best not to be on your phone or have other distractions while you're trying to cook. You wanna be aware of your environment. Others, they can look at the stove and they can say, oh, everything's fine. For us, we use our senses. We're using our ears to hear, our eyes, if we have some vision, we're using our nose, we're using our sense of touch. And so if we're distracted, then we can have accidents in the kitchen. When adding items to your pot, one of the things that is best is to use your cooking utensil. You will put that cooking utensil kind of gauge based on your pot and moving the utensil around where is the center of your pot. Then you can add your ingredient by dumping it down the back of your cooking utensil. This ensures that you are getting your ingredient in the pan and not pouring it outside the pan. Um, another helpful hint is when measuring oil, the best rule of thumb is to keep your oil in the fridge. That way your oil is cold and you can better feel it when measuring it. When measuring ingredients, we will either get measure things over the sink. So if they spill, you just rinse them and they go down the drain or you can measure them over a plate, a bowl or a cookie sheet. That way, it's easier cleanup because you can pick up that item, take it to the sink, rinse it off easily. Never ever measure over your stove because if you are to miss or have a mistake, you will get that item into your stove and it is hard to clean because there is so many grooves and opening. That's why we teach to do it over a bowl, a plate, cookie sheet, over the sink, because you want to make sure that if you have a spill, that you are able to pick it up and clean it easily. Um, when cooking hamburger meat, there are several ways to tell when you are done cooking your hamburger meat. One is time. Hamburger meat takes seven to eight minutes to cook. So you will have that time. Next, when it starts to cook, you will hear a sizzle. As it cooks, you will start to hear an increase in the sound of the sizzle. So you'll start off with a and you'll get louder. And as it becomes cooked, that sizzle will decrease. Okay, so you're gonna be turning that meat over and then you'll hear a series of increase in the sizzle, but towards the end, you will notice that that sizzle remains decreased. So that is another indicator 
that your hamburger meat is done. Another indication is smell. Hamburger meat smells differently when it is cooked and when it is raw. And finally, touch. If you were to take the back of a cooking spoon and lay it on top of that meat, when it is cooked, your hamburger meat will feel spongy. So those are some ways that you can tell your hamburger meat is done. When cooking chicken, it doesn't matter if you're cooking in the oven, you're cooking on the stove. A good way to tell is smell. Cooked chicken and raw chicken smell differently. You're going to follow your recipe on the time that something needs cooking. And finally, if you were to take two forks and you poke that chicken with the two forks, one fork you're using to hold on to the chicken, and the second fork you're going to twist. Okay? So raw chicken still has that rubbery pushback. Cooked chicken will shred easily. So if you're checking your chicken and you want to know, is it done? Twist a fork in it, shreds easily, it's cooked. Um, the best way to tell if your meats are done is to use a meat thermometer. There are many brands of talking thermometers on the market, and the one I have, it costs $15 on Amazon. You can stick it in the meat, and you can ask your device, like a lady, OKG, any of those items, and you can say, hey, what is the cook temperature of this meat, it will tell you. If you want to go on the internet, you can find it at the Food and Drug Administration, and it will tell you the temperature that is healthy for cooked meat. Most meats, it is 165 degrees. So when you stick that thermometer in, you can check, is it at a good healthy temperature? Also, remember that when you are cooking this meat, even though it is not at the exact temperature, you want to know that even once you pull it out of the oven, it is still cooking. So maybe it says 160, but you're going to let it sit on the counter for a little while and let it rest and it will continue cooking. And then when you check it again, it will be at that 165 degrees. And the reason that we have meat sit and rest is because when it's cooking, those juices are going through it and you want those juices to settle so that when you eat that meat, you still have those juices in the meat and they have settled so that your meat remains juicy and that those juices are not where they should not be in your meat. Um, another thing that is helpful when cooking is there are many new fancy smart devices for your kitchen. So if you have an iPhone, an Android phone, a smartphone, if you have one of these assistant devices, you can use some of these new smart products. One of the smart products that I found out about was Kasori, C-O-S-O-R-I. They have an air fryer that is accessible. So I download the app, which is called vSync, 
And using the app, I can navigate my air fryer, setting the temperature, setting the mode, starting it, preheating it, and stopping it using my smartphone. I can also, with this device, use my A-Lady device and say, A-Lady, preheat my air fryer to 350 degrees, and it will do so. Another smart device that is available to us is the Instapot. The Instapot Smart has an app called Remote Control for Instapot. You can also, using your smartphone or your assistant device, you can download the app or use a set of preset phrases to run your Instapot. You can say, I want the Instapot to be on yogurt and I want to set it for this time. I want to make eggs and I want to set it for this time. And you can monitor your device using your app or your assistant. They have this also for your therm thermometers, as I said earlier. They have the eye grill, which you can put a little item in your meat, and then you can monitor the temperature of the meat on your phone. They have one called the metric. I think it was the meter, sorry, the meter. And you can also monitor that using an app on your phone. Um, another smart device that is available is called the Drop Kitchen um, Scale. And that you can monitor using an app on your phone. And so with that, a lot of ingredients, it has recipes on it. All of these apps have recipes that you can follow or you can follow your own recipes. But if you are measuring your ingredients, it is a lot more together than if you try measuring it manually. Because you can say, I need six ounces of meat. And you know you're getting six ounces of meat using a kitchen scale. And especially if you are measuring for your diet what you would like to eat, then you want to use a kitchen scale and say, I'm going to have this amount of protein or this amount of starches. Um. Hey, Mickey, this is Becky. Also, yes? Um, I was wondering if, if we could um, maybe uh, take a little bit of time for some question and answer type things. Um, because I know that time will be running short shortly. Um, Terry, are you okay. still available? Terry Suarez, I'd like to introduce Terry Suarez, a new uh, person on our committee. Um, and I'd like her to kind of help facilitate. Good evening, everybody. Okay. How are we all doing? Well, I just want to say, Mickey, it was amazing. I was like, woohoo. She talked about washing hands first. And I love creating a safe working environment. That was so helpful. Um, let's see. Does any, I have one question. Um, can you repeat the website that you said was useful for reading the nutrition and the directions on boxes? It's called directionsforme.org. Directionsforme.org. Okay, that is great because I lost my site four years ago. Both of my retinas detached. And I tell you what, I, thanks to some excellent instructors, I am back chopping and cooking and eating, but it's the nutrition information that I missed. <laughs> so let's see if we've got some hands up. Mickey, are you ready? Yes, can I just add one thing is also now that we're shopping a lot online, a lot of our 
grocery store apps, if you go into information on the product that you're searching, you can find directions on that grocery store app and you can find nutrition facts as well. Oh, okay. Under information. Thanks so much. Well, mm -hmm. um, let's see if we have any hands raised. Do we have any hands that are raised? Yes, we do, uh, Terry. And before we take those, if I may, I would like to go through the instructions for uh, raising hands and muting very quickly. That um, sounds great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. All right. So if you are on a, P a PC, you will raise your hand with Alt-Y. And if you want to mute or unmute, you do that with Alt-A. If you're on a Mac, you raise your hand with Option-Y, mute or unmute with command shift a <clears throat> excuse me and if you're on the uh, on your smart device you uh, the raised hand option is going to be under the more button which is in the lower right hand corner of your screen and to mute or unmute that button is located in the lower left hand corner of your screen if you're on a standard telephone you will raise your hand with star nine mute or unmute with star six and our first raised hand is Danette. Danette. Hey. So thank you, Mickey. This was really good. Um, this was a um, couple things. Um, mm -hmm. The talking thermometer that you were talking about is a smart talking thermometer. That sounds really cool. Can you send that link to me from Amazon? Uh, yes, you've been you. emailing me throughout this. Yeah. And also the Kasori smart. I love, love, love mine. The app will even give you recipes. And another thing, do you know a smart, like, food scale? That'll tell you much that about the weight the of your food. kitchen scale? The, the what? Excuse the, the drop kitchen scale? Oh, really? Oh. Uh -huh. and Where if you can want I get to that I would think Amazon, where I first learned about it, is uh -huh. if you go to YouTube to the Braille Institute, they uh -huh. have several um, YouTube videos on their Zoom calls, which is Taste of Independence. Okay. And they do some demonstration on some of these smart devices. <laughs> it's and just a DROP kitchen scale? DROP. Mm-hmm. All righty, I'll check it out. Thank you. Well, thank you. And before we go on, we've got a lot of hands going. So we're going to ask everyone to please just ask one question and we'll get through everyone's first questions and we'll come back around. Who's next? Next, we have someone with telephone number 703 ending in 881. If you could tell us who you are, please. Hi, my name is Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi, and my question is, I live in a house that unfortunately has a flat-top, glass-top stove. Mm -hmm. do, you have, do you have any suggestions for how to find the burners on that one? Um, the way that you can set that up is you can use that Highmark paint to kind of on the outside of the edges. If you have someone who could help you with that, you can put that high mark on the outside edges so you can better um, center your pans. And you can also use that um, centering where you put your hand over and you can feel where the heat is coming from and center your pans by knowing is the heat more on the left or is it more on the right? Okay. By the way, you feel the heat. All right. Thank I'll give that a try. Thank you. No, You're thank welcome. you. What a great question. Who's next? Next up is Connie. Connie, you may unmute. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. we sure can, Connie. What's your okay. question for Mickey? Okay. Hi, Vicky. Um, hi. I went from, hi. I went from low vision to blindness about 13 years ago. And, you know, I had some living skills instruction. I went to a rehab center, learned how to cook again. But I've never been really completely comfortable 
cooking on the stove. What tips can you give me to make me less nervous cooking on the stove? Hmm. Start simple. Um, okay. Eliminate distractions. Because mm -hmm. if there's a lot going on, it makes it more stressful. So you want to make sure that, you know, while you're trying to get comfortable, you want it a quiet place so that you can really concentrate on what you're hearing and what you're smelling. Um, don't try anything overly com complex. And um, if you can, try to, while your stove is cool, just explore your stove. So practice setting a pan on that burner, you know, feeling what it feels like when it's centered, making sure that you know what each knob does. And I'm not, I'm, that I'm you sorry. Know how I'm, to not, turn. I'm not still in school. I, I went to a rehab center a, year, a few years ago. So I'm, I'm at home now. My husband passed away. I'm a, alone now. Yes. And I'm what saying, I'm saying at, is I've never home. felt comfortable cook. I, I, first of all, I don't really like to cook. So, um, and, and part of the reason is because I don't feel comfortable cooking on the mm -hmm. stove. So, um, okay. Are you wanting to cook on the stove is my question. Yes. Are you looking for other alternatives? Well, I'm comfortable with the oven, but I would like to be able to cook on the stove again because I know living on mm -hmm. processed foods is not the healthiest option. And, and that's what I'm saying. Start simple mm -hmm. with a simple um, cooking project. Eliminate mm -hmm. distractions. Explore your stove while it's cold so okay. that you're comfortable where everything is. Okay. And right. one of the things I want to add to Mickey is our Zoom community for our members. We have amazing calls, um, such as Janine Lee's Wake and Bake. We have Herbie. And there's one other um, chef where they basically take you from the very beginning to the very through. And it's an open mic call. And they really guide you through and build confidence together. And that was my fear as well. So just take it one day at a time and know the community yes. and the members are here for you to help. And maybe you can re, because of your change in your life of losing your husband, um, maybe you can recontact and reach out to a school near you that can just say, I want to touch up on some life skills. That's what I would recommend as well. All okay. right. We've got Thank lots you. of hands. Thanks. That was a great question. Who's next? And before we go, what time is it? Okay. The time is 8.49. So we have and 11 many, minutes. And how many um, hands do we have raised? We have five hands. Right okay, now. everybody. Let's try to get through one question and we'll get back through the second round. All right. Let's go for it. Okay. Next, we have Diane. Hey, Diane. Good, good evening. Um, I was going to make the comment, and I guess I will, maybe I can ask my question real fast, but when I was in high school, we had a cookbook that I think was two soft volumes in Braille called Cooking Without Looking, and it was by someone named Esther Knudsen Tips, T-I-P-P-S, and she was at the Texas School for the Blind. So I immediately thought of that book when um, I knew that this call was going to be coming on. Uh, my question is, since you teach people how to cook, what do you prefer, electric, electric stoves or gas stove? Um, at home, I have a gas stove. And at work, I have an electric stove that we teach on. Um, in the economics room, they have both gas and electric, and you just have to be aware of the difference. When you're cooking with electric, as soon as your dish is done cooking, you want to remove it from the burner because the burner does not cool off as quickly 
And so you don't want your food to continue cooking and burn. And when you are using um, a gas stove, you just want to be very aware of things that are around that can hang over into that flame. Thank you, Mickey. Do you have any history about the book that was mentioned? No. Okay. <laughs> I know that there are several books on Bard. One is um, from a lady named Deborah DeBorg, I want to say. She's from Colorado. And that book is on Bard. And I think there's a cooking without looking on Bard. And then if you went to Blind My Smart, there is a show called Cooking in the Dark. Well, thank and you. And that is a cooking for blind people. Thank you so much. Great questions. All right, let's go to the next one. Next up is Jewel. Jewel, Jewel. you can unmute. Uh -huh. Hi, can you hear me? We sure can, Jewel. What's your question for Mickey? Um, so I don't have a question. I just had two quick comments. Um, this is something I tell to all blind people who are trying to learn to cook. There is an app called Paprika 3. I love it. It's fully accessible and it's great for recipes, meal plans, grocery lists, every, you know, pantry inventory. Um, it's like $6, but it is like extremely well worth it. And you can basically pull recipes from any website in straight into the app. It'll download it right into the app for you. Um, and you can organize that. Um, the other one I mentioned is if you have trouble um, cutting with a regular knife, some people do. There are two techniques I would mention. The first is to make a bridge with your fingers and cut between the fingers. Um, the other one I would mention is an ulu knife. It is an Inuit blade. It is a curved blade with the handle on top. And I found that it is so much faster than a regular knife because I know exactly where that blade is because it's right under my hand. And, and my favorite way of cutting things in the kitchen are called kitchen scissors. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> That's my little yeah. secret. Uh-oh. Um, For a lot so of things like herbs and uh, greens and stuff, that is very useful. Yes. Thank you so much for this comments. Mickey, do you have anything um, to add before we move on? We've got about three more hands. If you... Um, are trying to cook with one hand we have rocker knives and you can buy those on some adaptable kitchen products and so you can cut with one hand um trying to think oh, nylon you. knives yeah and then they have the no cut gloves right that you can wear mm -hmm. those are really helpful well, thank you, Mickey. Um, let's jump in. We've got, what, three more hands, I think. Let's try yes. to get this in. Okay, next up is Randy. Randy, you may unmute. Hey, Randy, um, how are you doing? Fine. Good evening. I guess I, I, I would like to say two things. One is um, I have an Instapot that is a smart Wi-Fi Instapot, and I also have it connected to my Amazon uh, Alexa, so it's really nice to be able to stand in front of the pot to do the sauteing but when i'm ready to do the real stuff where i'm telling it uh say to pressure cook on high for so many minutes that i can just give the instruction and the pot just does it and it's it's really not only impressive to watch but it's actually functionally um a good nice way of dealing with things because i don't have to worry about what's on the lcd display um the second thing i wanted mm -hmm. to ask about was um I have issues trying to pour liquids into measuring spoons, like tablespoons, teaspoons. Uh, a couple nights ago, my wife was making uh, whipped cream, and we wanted a half teaspoon of vanilla, and that turned out to be a real mess. So I wonder if you have any suggestions on how I might approach that. Um, the best advice I could give is to get a wide mouth cup or bowl, pour your vanilla into it and dip your spoon into it to measure. And then when you're done, you can take a funnel to put that excess ingredient back into its bottle. 
Mickey, that is great advice. Thank you so much. All right. We need to do a time check and how many more hands we have up. Okay. We have five minutes left and we have two hands. Oh, three hands. Sorry. Okay. Uh, Well, thanks everybody for raising your hand, but we are going to try to really do a good job and get these three hands. So please, um, if you did not have an opportunity to raise your hand, we want to give Becky an opportunity to give the email for diabetics in action so we can get your important questions to Mickey. But let's see what we can do. So please, the three hands that are up, we will get to you guys. Just ask a question. Go ahead. Who's next? Next is Verilyn. Okay, while they are trying to unmute, let's go to the next one. Okay, next is Jane Perry. Hey, Jane. Hello, Mickey. Great presentation. And I am going to the Carroll Center for the Blind in Newton, Massachusetts, the end of the month for a 12-week program. And I am really excited. Even though I live on my own, I know there's always new tips and tricks, and I like the one about the knife. My question is, do you have any helpful hints on cutting a sandwich evenly? I always, when I cut the sandwich, sometimes I have a quarter on one side and a half on the other side. It's not even. So can you have any uh, suggestions? Thank you very much. Um, not really. If you want, you can kind of bend it in half a little so it has a little bit of a mark. Well, since I've lost my vision, it, Mickey, um, I have found that diagonal is my best friend because it's easy yeah. to find the diagonal corner. Corners. To corner yeah, yeah. My kids don't know the difference. <laughs> and That's what I, I thought would say. Thank yeah. you. You're so <laughs> welcome. All right, who's next? Because we're running out of time. Okay, let's try Verlin one more time. It's B-E-R-L-Y-N. You may unmute. Okay, as we're waiting for him, who's next? Okay, next is a telephone number, 470, ending in 186. You may unmute. And please introduce yourself. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Star six to unmute. Okay, well, while we're waiting for them. They're they're unmuted. There we go. I'm unmuted. The gentleman talking about uh, measuring cups or spoons. I don't know where I got it, but I got a uh, eyedropper that's a little bit bigger than normal. And when I do the liquids for the tablespoons, I use this eyedropper to put them into the tablespoons. I found it's easier that way. And you waste less uh, stuff by not putting it into a cup and then scooping it out. Well, thank you. I don't so know much. where I got it. I wish I did. I haven't thank found you. another one. It may help. Oh, thank you so much. That is great advice. I think. Do we have one more hand up? Were they able to unmute? If not, it's very no, they, short on time. Oh, they ahead. left. That's okay. They left. <laughs> Well, hopefully they'll um, email us. So, Becky, um, before I hand it to you to close this out, Mickey, thank you so much for all your great information. And um, thank you. Thank you so much. And we will continue cooking and sharing. But I think we should all go to Randy's house and let him do his Instapot dinner for us. Um, Okay. All right, Becky, let's hear about how we can forward any questions and What else is going on in Diabetics in Action? Thanks, Terry. Um, Just to kind of give you a quick update, uh, we are accepting membership for 2022. Our dues are $10, um, and you can go to our website, which is acbda.org, and there's a membership tab that you can click on, and uh, it'll walk you through how to join. Um, if you have any questions that you would like to um, pass on to Mickey or questions related to ACB diabetics, or even if you have questions when you're trying to register or uh, join, um, you can send an email to acbdaorg at gmail.com, and I'll make sure to forward it or get back with you and uh, help you out with whatever. 
Um, we have our meetings the second Wednesday of every month, and we have a chat the third Saturday. Um, the next meeting that we'll have is the chat on uh, the third Saturday of March, and that is at 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, so we hope that you will all plan to come and then join us next month again, the second Wednesday at 8 Eastern.